stars live here. Are you ready? On air. Online. On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. Broadcasting from Montreal and around the world. The Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. My next guest is a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, former member of KISS. He's got a brand new record coming out, 10,000 Volts, this February. Available wherever you pre-order and get your music and got lots of tour dates as well. Make sure you visit all of his socials and his website to get all the details and make sure you go catch him on the road. Welcome back to the show, the one and only Ace Frehley. How's it going? Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, what was the last time I was on your show? You know what? I, we, I think we did Origins Volume 2 when that was coming out, what, like two years ago? You're asking me, do you have any idea how many interviews I do a week? <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, man, that's what you got to do, right? Got a new record coming out. and uh, But yeah, uh, the last yeah. time we spoke was uh, you did Origins Volume 2, and that's that's when we were talking. Okay. Yeah. But, I believe uh, you. Yeah, I hope so. Let's, uh, let's talk 10,000 volts. So, new record. I got the chance to hear it, and it's fantastic. I, I almost describe it as like, you know, Ace Freely going pop a little bit. It's, it's, really, it's really fun, the record. Well, I've done pop songs in the past. Uh, I like, you know, I like pop rock. Not pop pop, pop rock. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah, some of my songs sometimes come out a little poppy, but there's still that hard edge to it with a hard guitar solo. Right. Well, you need the guitar solo. There's so many bands these days, they're not doing guitar solos anymore. It's almost like it's not cool or... You know, but I, I'm a big fan of the big guitar solo. I, I feel like you need it. I have no idea what's happened to music in 2024. I, it's completely boggles my mind. What about it? Just like the sound, the way like the industry's going? Like, what is it about the, in, like, what is it? Well, you know, everything's digital. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, 16, 17 years old, you know, there were groups like The Cream, The Jimi Hendrix Experience, Led Zeppelin, The Who, The Jeff Beck Group. I mean, yeah. there's nothing coming out like that now. No, I mean, now it's like it's a completely different sound, right? I mean, you got the Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift and... Even on the rock side, it's like nobody really has big guitars, big drums. It's sort of like shoegazy, like that alternative sound. Like it's rock isn't fun anymore. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm having fun with my music. I just hope uh, when other people hear it, they have as much fun with it as I did. Uh, I had a lot of fun recording this record and maybe a little energize other musicians to do more songs in my type of genre. Yeah. And look, I mean, 10,000 uh, 10, volts, the lead singles already got a, a million views on YouTube. I mean, were you expecting that? I wasn't expecting it, but I got, I got it this morning, like a little uh, congratulatory thing from YouTube, 10, uh, 1 million views. So I just copy and pasted it and texted it to my daughter. She got a kick out of that. That's awesome. I mean, look, a million views in 2024. It's it's a big deal, especially for a rock artist. I mean, you know, it's 
pretty awesome. I don't really know how big of a deal it, it is because I haven't really been following over the years uh, social media that well. And, you know, once the record company realized this was going to be a big record, they hired a social media expert, you know, and he turned me on to TikTok, Instagram, you know, all those all those uh, formats that I was n never really familiar with or went on and made statements. <laughs> Were you sitting in that meeting? You're like, wait, what social media? What, what are you talking? What is this? <laughs> it's totally different from back in the day, right? You know, things change. And uh, I guess if you're going to be successful, you got to try to change with them. Yeah. You know, uh, I never thought I'd be doing Instagram and TikTok and all these other. Uh, name some of the other ones. Uh, geez, Snapchat, Facebook, and, and all the social media. Yeah, oh yeah, Facebook is a big one. I mean, I I did Facebook on previous uh, records, but you know. Yeah. I mean, tick TikTok is pretty much geared to a younger audience. Which in a way is good because I've been doing a lot of stuff on TikTok and I hopefully that'll mean, you know, more ticket sales from younger people yeah. who want to come see me. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the record and recording. I mean, uh, the songs on the record are fantastic. The production's great. You've got a powerhouse like Steve Brown working along with you. Uh, he brings a lot to the table. Talk a little bit about working with Steve and the decision to ultimately want to work with Steve. I mean... Why Why Steve Brown, as amazing as he is? I mean, Steve brought a lot to the table. Uh, you know, on previous albums, I've, I always had to pay an engineer besides guest stars and people I co-wrote. So, I mean, Steve engineered the whole record. And uh, he's been, you know, he's been engineering Pro Tools for over 30 years. So, I mean, he's a genius at it. And uh, he's very quick at editing and and coming up with sounds, you know. Like if I had a idea for a solo, he would just, you know, pull up a guitar plug in and I'd do a solo. But eventually, nine times out of ten, I'd go back to the uh, Marshall and old Fender amps that I have and redo it with analog. Mm -hmm. Because the more analog things I can do on this record, even though it eventually gets transferred to digital, it does make a difference. Right. I don't care what anybody says. No, of course. I mean, back in the day, even today, you know, you got the modern remasters and all these things they take it, you know, transfer from analog to digital. It's it's got a different sound, you know, from the warmth, a lot of the warmth and like that, you know, top end is sort of gone and it just doesn't have the same uh, the same vibe. But I mean, there's a lot of technology that can give you that in Pro Tools these days. If you want like tape emulation and stuff like that, you can throw it on there. But I, just, I don't think it's really necessary. I mean, you're going to get a good sound. Yeah, there's there's nothing like real feedback. Right. Now, you stand in front of an amp with your Les Paul, you know, you hold the note and you get feedback, you know, it just loops, you know, through the speaker and the amp. Uh, I've been doing that since I was a little, a teenager and, uh, 
I don't know. It's it's uh, it's a little disheartening that you know. I think a lot of these bands that become sensations overnight, you know, they they didn't really get a chance to pay their dues. You know, I was playing in clubs when I was fourteen, fifteen. I was even underage. I had to like get phony proof, you know, to play in a bar because you couldn't play in a bar unless you were 18. Right. A lot of guys are doing it, so it didn't matter. And very, very few times did somebody come and check your ID. So, uh, I mean, Steve told me the same story. You know, he was playing bars when he was 15, 16. And, uh, it's just the way it happened. Yeah. And, you know, talking about the feedback from the guitarsman, when you're recording this record, did you use a real amp or was it all like a uh, digital with like, uh, like fractals and stuff like that? I mean, well, I, I play completely live, you know, with Marshall's amps and SVT amps, mm -hmm. you know, and we use real monitors, you know, some groups use these uh, headphones uh, ear monitors, uh, they don't work for me. I need to hear the raw sound, even though I'm slowly, slow and going deaf. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, Better there's... be deaf than, than you, you know, use those uh, ear monitors. Yeah. But like you said, you know, that, that guitar has a natural interaction with the speaker and it gives you that feedback it gives you that attitude and the vibe and you're not going to get that with the in-ear monitors or no speakers you you need you need the guitar and the speaker in front of you that that definitely helps with the process i mean i remember with kiss uh they didn't want to have any you know i can't have pedal boards on the on the ground because i trip over them i always have and i'll, I'll never have them mm. but uh we did have one recessed little wedge with two Celestian speakers in it from my Marshall amp. And when I was doing my guitar solo, I was getting natural feedback. Mm -hmm. I know I, people probably figuring out how the hell is he doing that? There's, there's the amps are like all the way over here. Right. But, uh, and you know, when I had my guitar roadie, running my Echoplex during the smoking guitar section mm -hmm. that I performed. And, uh, you know, I tried to keep it as uh, analog as possible, you know, shooting rockets, smoke, lights. <laughs> you know, I, I designed light guitars, rocket guitars, smoke guitars, you know. Yeah. Even that with your Les Paul, I mean, like you're famous for having the signature, you know, the three pickups on the Les Paul. Uh, why? What was it about the three pickups? Did you ever end up using all three at the same time, or was that just a look thing? I, it was all a visual thing. I mean, a Les Paul with three pickups on it looks fabulous, <laughs> but unfortunately, I only used the bridge pickup. Yeah. And the other two uh, pickups I have disconnected. Right. Do you remember uh, which um, what pickup you had? In doesn't your... mean anybody who buys one of my guitars they're connected when you buy them. It's right. just if you want to disconnect them, that's your option. 
Yeah. Well, it's just like Eddie Van Halen and the Frankenstein. All the guts, they weren't plugged in. It was just the bridge pickup, you know? Eddie only used one pickup, you know, as far as I know. Yeah. Were you, uh, were you a fan of Eddie's back in the day, or did you sense of, uh, have a sense of competition with him? With Eddie? Yeah. Look, Eddie was a great guitarist. Uh, God rest, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, you know, I saw him in the pit when I was playing Madison Square Garden because Gene had discovered them, and I was doing tapping back then before a lot of people were. And, uh, you know, some people are saying, you know, I, I did it before Eddie Van Halen, but let's face it, folks, Eddie Van Halen far surpassed my ability to tap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was just a wizard when it came to that stuff. Yeah. I mean, he may have gotten a couple of ideas from me, but, I mean, he just took it to the next level. I could never play some of his guitar solos with the tapping. He just had a technique that was out of this world. Yeah. Even guitar tone wise, I mean, like his amps, the way they sound and everything, like nobody sounded like that. Do you, do you remember what you, what you were recording when you did, you know, like say like Hotter Than Hell or those, you know, heavier Kiss songs like Parasite? Like, do you remember what guitar amp you were using? Pretty much Les Paul's and uh, Marshall's. Yeah. Once in a while, I double something with a Fender just to give it a, a rhythm track, another harmonic range. Yeah, because Les Pauls and Fenders, you know, are two different animals. But when you blend them together at the right, you know, sound, you know, you can get a really thick sound that you wouldn't be able to get with Les Paul. Right. Well, that's why Eddie put the uh, the humbucker in the strat, give it a little bit more balls. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Eddie was Eddie was an amazing guitar player. There'll never be another Eddie Eddie Van Halen. There'll never be another Jimi Hendrix. You know, there'll never be another Jeff Beck. Uh, but you know, they're dropping like flies. You know, I'm starting to want. Yeah, my, my fiance woke up this morning and she's crying because this guy she used to work out in the gym, I don't know, he's about 67, 68. You know, he's in a hospice now and he doesn't have much more time. And uh, she's going, he's, he's younger than you. I go, yeah, but does he have good genes? Yeah, you know, my father lived to be 96. My mother lived to be 86, but her older sister lived to be 99. Mm. So I have longevity on both sides. As long as I take care of myself, I don't drink and do drugs. You know, I'm good for another 20 or 30 years. Yeah. yeah it's funny. I mean, like, you know, look at all those guys, like the partying really took a toll and caught up with some of them, right? Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about the fact that, you know, that your touring band isn't on the album. Uh, Steve and like the guys that you've had on there for um, Joey and, you know, Anton, I mean, all these guys are incredible. Would you consider, would you want to tour with the guys that played on the record? Well, the guys that I tour with are excellent musicians. They know every kiss and ace song by heart. 
And uh, unfortunately, they live in different parts of the country. My drummer lives on the West Coast. The other guys live in Tennessee. And when I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the less people in the studio, the better. Mm. You know, uh, and I learned that with my 78 solo album. It was just me and Anton Fig and Eddie Kramer. And uh, that formula seemed to work with me. I don't get a lot of distractions. I don't get 10 different opinions on how to do something. I just do it the way it comes out. And nine times out of 10, it's good. Yeah, you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen. No. Too many chefs in the kitchen spoil the stew. <laughs> I agree. Is that, is that it? <laughs> I think that's the saying. That's that's usually what they say. <laughs> uh, talk a little bit about Anton. I mean, he played on this record. Uh, he's played on, you know, like Dynasty, Unmasked, records that you were involved with, I mean, that first uh, a solo record. Talk a little bit about your relationship with Anton and, you know, what does he bring to the Ace Freely sound? Well, I remember sitting with Steve and I gave Anton a call and I said, Anton, are you free? He goes, I'm pretty busy. But, you know, if you want me to do a few songs on the record, I could, you know. So we had drums on uh, 10,000 volts and they were good. But I know if Anton played on that song, he would just energize it to another level. So we sent him 10,000 volts and he killed it. And then he played on a couple of other songs, which I don't have in front of me because I couldn't find the file. Mm. But uh, everything's on the inside sleeve and tells you who's playing what. Yeah. Well, you know, we got a lot of songs with Joey Caserta playing drums and... Uh, Steve Brown's bass player that he tours with is playing bass on a lot of tracks, did a great job, you know, percussion, so on and so forth. You know, I pretty much left that stuff up to Steve. You know, for me, just to get a great solo and get a great vocal, you know, that was, uh, if I could get through that, I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's true. And look, uh, 10,000 volts coming out this February. Uh, you can pre-order it now wherever you get your music. It's going to be fantastic, this album. Telling fans, like, you know, Mitch LaFawn has been online since this whole thing got announced. And, man, he's been one of the guys that's been waving the ace flag for years. And he's been raving just online saying this is the best since 78. Best since 78. Ace is best. Best, best. This record's going to blow people away. And uh, the overall... Um, love for the stuff that you put out so far online has been fantastic. So I think fans are really excited about it. Well, I think what's good about this record is a variety of songs. It's not just all hard rock. You know, there's ballads. I redid that song that I wrote 35, 40 years ago, Back Into My Arms Again. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a ballad called... Uh, Life of a Stranger, which is written by Nadia. And that actually went over the liner notes for the film The Transporter with Jason Statham. Mm. But, you know, when I hear a good song, it sticks in my head. Now, even though she did a Euro rock with a drum machine and didn't have, you know, 
keyboards and power chords and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's a good song is a good song. Well, that's I agree completely. I mean, like, uh, and, and it all depends on the musicians you have playing on it. You know, uh, one guitarist can make it sound like a completely different song or a different type of drum take, you know? It's, uh, I don't know, things just happen. In this record, you know, me and Steve, you know, we, we'd work on songs and, you know, he'd come in, you know, we'd start changing things around. Uh, I'd go to his studio 40, 45 minutes away and uh, we do some great work over there. He had a cute little studio in his basement. Yeah. And I just found out Anton Fig bought a house in Piedmont, which is about 40, 45 minutes away. And he has a studio in his basement. In fact, that's where he tracked 10,000 volts and then sent us the tape. Yeah. Uh, it all just worked out. The beauty of Pro Tools is you can have the bass player in Florida, a drummer, you know, in California, you know, uh, a lead singer. For, for example, when I did my Origins album and we did 30 Days in the Hole, you know, uh, who's the singer from Cheap Trick? Oh, that's uh, not, I was going to say Rick Nielsen. <laughs> Rick's a guitar player. A lead singer from Cheap Trick. He's a superstar. Come yeah, on. It's a Robin. Robin Zander, right? Robin Zander. Yeah. Right. I hung out with him multiple times. He lives in Florida. So we sent him the track. He sang the song perfectly. Sent it back. We dropped it into the master Pro Tools. You know, it comes up on a screen, you know, very few people use consoles anymore. Mm -hmm. like, you know, I got a 50 inch screen here and, uh, it's just, uh, a whole new ball game. You know, I mean, I, I've gotten used to pro tools now. I can, I can actually engineer solos and vocals when I get the idea and nobody's around. Yeah. I mean, I remember when uh, we did Fire and Water and uh, I had asked Paul Stanley to do the lead vocal and uh, prior to him doing the lead vocal, I the song felt so great to me. I tried doing like 15 guitar takes and none of them worked. I tried Please. piecing them together, blah, 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 and it didn't happen. The next day I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, went into my studio, did it take from beginning to end, no edits, you know, and Paul did an amazing vocal on it. Yeah. I can't say enough good things about the vocal he did on that song. Well, that was a really good collaboration. I think it kind of set fans up into thinking that maybe you're going to make a return to the band at some point, but that just really didn't happen. I mean, did you think that, that maybe that was like a, a way that, you know, the door possibly opening to maybe, you know, doing some more stuff with those guys? Or the what? The, with, uh, with Kiss? Like, you know, the collab? Let's Kiss concert? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I mean, like, when you did the song with Paul, I mean, like, I think a lot of fans were kind of hoping that maybe that's, you know, that's the door, that the door's open now. He's, maybe he could get back in to do a, a show or two with the guys. I mean, me and Paul, are, we're, we're good friends. Yeah, just like I am with Gene. But, you know, sometimes 
you know, he's hot and cold. Sometimes he'll make statements in the press that piss me off. Mm-hmm. And he really pissed me off when he was on the Howard Stern show and said that if me and Peter got up on stage at the garden, the band, you might as well call the band piss. You know, I lost it when I heard that. I mean, come on. I've been, I've been making, you know, they haven't done a record in 20 years. I put out five albums. I've toured all over. And he's trying to say that I can't get up and do two or three songs. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was interesting when he said that. Cause I mean, like, you know, wouldn't you be able to put all things aside, you know, just go up, you know, do one song, you go up there and do Detroit rock city. I mean, even if you had, you know, Tommy and Eric up there who weren't included, I mean, it would have been nice for the fans to have been able to get that from you guys. You know, I think the fans would have loved it. Uh, but, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people after the fact and they said, you know, you know, Kisses uses backing tracks and they said we probably have to use uh, ear monitors. And uh, I think they were worried about us having to do that because I hate ear monitors and Paul knows it. So I may have refused to wear the ear monitors. You know, I I like to just hear monitors on the floor and, and play. Uh, so you think that ma- may, you know, they invited me and Peter to, to perform at that last show five, six, seven months before the show happened. And then, you know, the last month, after they had sold out the show, they trashed us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bruce Kulik got trashed. You know, they said they invited him. He never got an invitation. They said in the press they invited me. I never got an invitation. I called Peter. I go, did you ever get an invitation from Paul and Jean to perform at the Garden? He goes, no. So they lied. Mm. What are you going to do? Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, I mean, those guys, they did keep the band alive during the 80s until the reunion tour. And I mean, I, before you ended up ultimately leaving the band and Peter, too. I mean, like, do you do you kind of regret that in the end? I mean, like, just looking back, it's like, had you stayed in the band, you know, maybe you were making less pay. Maybe the long game would have been the smarter thing. I mean, you, you would have got more, you know, endorsements, higher profile, visibility. You would have been a current member of KISS, like. Do you think that maybe looking back, it would have been a smarter idea to stay in the band? Well, monetarily, it would have been. But to me, it's not about the money. It's about the music. And it's about whether or not I'm having fun with the people I'm working with. And if I'm not having fun with the people I'm working with and they're doing stuff I don't approve of, but I'm outvoted, yeah, I don't care how much money I, you know, I lost millions and millions of dollars over the years uh, that Tommy, after Tommy took over. But, you know, yeah, that just gave me the, you know, it gave me the, what's the word? The, the pride. The drive mm. to make a better band and make better music. And uh I mean, I don't understand why they never put out a record after 20 years. Mm-hmm. Well, they did. They put out Sonic Boom and they put out uh, Monster, I think, in like 2012. 
Monster was all right. Sonic Boom did pretty good, but there's no like real hits on those records. But they, they put out two records with that lineup, and they're they're pretty not they're not bad. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I was talking in an interview the other day. He's going, I listened to Sonic Boom. I mean, uh, Monster. You know, he goes, but it, it it's uh, Tommy Faye trying to sound like me. <laughs> Which is kind of ridiculous because actually Tommy's not a bad guitar player. No, he's you great. Know? Technically, he may even be a better guitar player than me, uh, but he doesn't seem. See, I'm sloppy, and I'll be the first to admit it. And people have said it in, in comments. I'm sloppy, but I but I have a way about the way I play. I mean, Jimmy Page is sloppy. Uh, but, you know, we we get some type of, uh, I don't even know what to call it. Well, it's just like a vibe, you know, it's a style thing. It's, well, it's, it's a vibe, you know, yeah. I mean, if I, may, if I miss a note and there's people in the front row looking at me, I just laugh. <laughs> you know, it's like no big deal. They know I played it on the record and obviously, hey, I just... Lost, you know, I lost my way for for uh, one second uh, and I missed a note. Yeah. It's no big deal. The Rolling Stones have been playing sloppy for 60 years. I mean, come on, Keith Richards, one of the sloppiest players ever. I mean, but look, it's it's all about the vibe and like what the sound he makes. It's it's very it's unique. Yeah. Well, I don't worry about, you know, what people say about my guitar playing. Most people, you know, praise my guitar work. So, yeah, you know. no, absolutely. And look, you're the one of my favorite. Don't, and the ones that put me down, I just think they're jealous. Absolutely. Damn right they are. One of the greatest guitars of all time. Look at the iconic riffs and licks and solos. You, I mean, just the ace <laughs> vibrato alone, the ace vibrato, the bending. Come on, it's iconic. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people that can't bend like me. No, and no. I, I, I don't know why. I don't think it's you know I can bend down, I can bend up, I can bend fast, I can bend slow, you know. But it, that takes years to to develop that type of technique. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the everybody in my family played piano. And my father once said to me, you know, you can play Chopin, you can, you know, he could play Chopin, Mozart, Beethoven. He goes, Paul, it's not in, it's not whether or not you hit the right notes. It's the technique, you know, using the pedals on the, on the floor and how hard you hit the keys is the key to making something sound good or something sound great. Right. I, I never forgot that. No, it's absolutely true. It's, uh, you know, it all comes together. It's like an orchestra at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I go on YouTube and, I, and there's a dozen YouTube uh, videos with kids playing my solos. And I watch them and I go, yeah, they get about 80%, 90%. But it doesn't have the uh, swagger and uh, 
the field that uh, I play with. Yeah, it doesn't have the mojo, baby. The mojo. I <laughs> think. <laughs> <laughs> I should start a band with, uh, what happened to, who's the guy that was in? Uh, That's Mike Myers. Austin, Austin Powers. Austin Powers. <laughs> it's one of the best movies. So fun. Uh, Ace Frehley, 10,000 volts coming out. Uh, you go pre-order where you get your music. You're doing vinyl. You're doing CDs. You're doing the whole thing. Uh, you get the Apple Dolby Atmos mix. It's it's going to sound great in your in your AirPods or your vinyl, your, your record player, wherever you're going to get your music. Um, one last question. Because I'm a big Eric Singer fan, and I, they came out with the uh, Kiss Off the Soundboard live in Tokyo from like 2001, not long ago. And um, that show you guys did was, was amazing. Are you kind of a, are you disappointed that you never really got to record an album with that lineup, Gene Paul, Eric Singer, and yourself? Do you think that would have been really that would have been good? I think uh, that was probably the best lineup we had, and. Uh, yeah, you know, but then again, you know, yeah. After a while, Paul's voice started giving him problems as he got older. Uh, I mean, I'm dear friends with Eric. You know, I call up Eric, I send him texts. We've been friends forever. He loves playing with me. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, he's just a sweetheart of a guy and a great drummer. He's played with several famous bands and because he has the chops. Yeah. You know, I have no idea what Tommy Thay is going to do after this, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, who has he played with? Black and Blue? I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, now, Eric I, I don't want to say anything negative about Tommy. Tommy's going to have a hard enough time <laughs> continuing his career without Kiss. Yeah. No, it's true. And and I mean Eric Singer, I mean, like, what was it like, you know, that last show with Peter Chris? I mean, he leaves and Eric comes in. I'm like, did that just bring a whole new energy to the live show with you guys? Like, did you feel energized like playing with Eric Singer on stage versus Peter? I felt totally energized with Eric. If my drummer, God God forbid, dropped dead tomorrow, I'd give Eric Singer a call. You know? Yeah. I don't know if he I don't know if he, he take the job, but you know, I don't, I mean, Eric is just an amazing drummer. I remember the last time I played with him was at some, uh, it was some kind of a signing festival, you know, like a comic con or something, you know, those things we all do once in a while, mm -hmm. you know, anyway, he got up and did shock me and I couldn't believe how good it sounded. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just took over that drum kit and it was like uh, he flew down from heaven. <laughs> and just, I can't even put words into it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he played that so masterfully. Yeah. Was, I, that's all I can say. And I was listening to that uh, live in Tokyo album and I was like, damn, like just like how in the pocket he was. And like, it just like added so much more energy and like it made the Kiss songs more fun with Eric Singer on the drums. They just had, they were more danceable. Yeah. But you know, Peter had a bad car accident and he's had other accidents. And you know, P 
Pe- uh, I love Peter, but he was really never the same after the serious car accident he had in California. And I'd rather not go into it, but, uh, you know, think, things happen. Yeah. And, uh, and I think Gene is a really underrated bass player. Mm-hmm. You know, I love playing playing with Gene. He, he uh, I mean, well, for my uh, Spaceman album, he come over. We wrote two songs in like four hours. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to remember what the two were. So the creative relationship. You, you're nothing. And uh, uh, but it was great working with Gene. And, uh, you know, the vibe is still there. I mean, the combination of me, Peter, Paul, and Gene in the early days, all four of us were, were from completely four different backgrounds. But when we got on stage, magic happened, and I can't explain it. Uh, it, it, you know, it's almost like, you know, you hook up with a, let's say you go out on a blind date. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what's going to happen. And next thing you know, you're in ecstasy, you know? Yeah. We we got together. We didn't know what was going to happen. We started doing shows, you know. We won the audience over, even if they hated us in the beginning and didn't even want to, you know, you know, we're booing. You know, once we really took off, you know, we had this energy and magic between the four of us that when we played together, you know, there wasn't anybody better. Mm-hmm. I guess you could almost say it's almost like being in a relationship. Like you guys were in love, like musically. Yeah. It, it was, I just think it was one of those things that was meant to be. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 you know, it, it, it ran its course and, uh, now I'm doing my thing, you know. Yeah. I don't I don't know what Paul Jane and Peter are doing and and Tommy. Are they still doing that avatar thing? I don't know. Well, I guess they're working on it. It's only supposed to come out in maybe like four or five years or something like that. They're trying to perfect it. I mean, uh, I, Industrial Light and Magic, like uh, Lucasfilm and all those guys, they're all working on that stuff. So I'm sure it's going to look amazing when it's done. Well, you know. That the digital stuff they can do today is is amazing, yeah. You know, and then if you bring an AI, you know that just takes it to a completely another level. But uh, I wish them the best with that, and I hope they're uh, successful. And God bless them. Yeah, and uh, look, let's I hope for nothing but success with ten thousand volts. It's coming out. Uh, this month, wherever you get your music and uh, go and check it out. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Ace. You're an absolute legend. And I uh, just want to say thank you for all the years of entertainment and uh, keep it going, man. Keep rocking. Jeremy. Ace. Is that your name? Yes, sir. <laughs> no wonder because it says Jeremy White. <laughs> I'm retarded. <laughs> but, uh, Jerry, it was a pleasure talking to you, and uh, you had some good questions. And looking forward to doing another interview, uh, you know, down the road. Yep, absolutely. Aren't you working on a third covers album? Don't you got, like, uh, another one coming out at some point? Well, we decided we were going to do Origins Volume 3. 
for a while there, people were talking about doing a live record, but I stuck to my guns and I said, listen, we're going to do a live app. We're going to do Origins Volume 3, and we're going to get some really top special guest stars, and that's what's going to make it special. Mm -hmm. And trust me, I, I have my feelers out already. I have people talking to people who are, you know, in the top 10 genre of the music field. And uh, mm -hmm. if we can get some of those people on the record, uh, you know, it's great about doing the Origins records. You don't have to write the songs. You don't have to write the lyrics. You just have yeah. to aceify it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Aceify it. It's true. I have to put my stamp on it. Yeah, that's it. And look, that's not hard to do. You know, it's uh, it's ace freely. You give a just extra bend a lot of those notes. Oh, okay, yeah, that's ace play. <laughs> All right. Well, look. Uh, thanks a lot for taking some time. I appreciate it. And uh, you're a good friend of the show. You're welcome back anytime. Always a good chat. My pleasure, Jeremy. God bless you. Have a great day, and uh, I'll see you again next time I'm on. The Jeremy White Show. Get exclusive interviews and bonus content on demand now. Visit YouTube.com slash Jeremy White Show.